0: This week I was listening to a podcast, a devotional podcast called Daily Hope by Pastor Rick Warren. And he was telling the story of Elijah being fed by ravens, living in a ravine. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17. And basically Elijah is on the run. His life is in danger and he's hiding out. God is providing for him miraculously. And then after doing that for a while, the brook where he is dries up. He has to move on. God leads him to go out of his ravine, his rut, to a new place. But the new place doesn't make sense. He has to take a dangerous journey. He has to go to a place that is outside of his home area. And on top of all that, he's being sent to a widow who is poor and can't even provide for herself and her family, let alone a guest. Now, I tell you that because... It has been a theme that has developed over the course of the last several weeks and it 's actually a theme in uh, my life and probably in every believer's life from one from at one time or another and that is when God kind of gets you out of your rut or ravine uh, more than twenty years ago now when we were Uh, finishing up at our church in South Florida and deciding what to do next. And we had the sense that God was leading us to move to New Hampshire with the purpose of starting a new congregation, of planning a church. That was definitely getting us out of our rut I told you in the last couple of weeks how that just didn't make sense to me. I, I, I didn't want to go where it was cold, and I didn't want to live where it was cold. I'd been born and raised in South Florida, so that didn't make sense. I was, we were around family, and we were going to have to be leaving family. All of our connections and our friendships and everything were pretty much centered in that area. So to pick up and unroot ourselves and move 1,500 miles straight north, To a place where we had few connections and no understanding of what was next. It just didn't make sense. It was definitely breaking us out of our routine and our rut. Now, as we finish up this series, Dangerous Prayers, Season 3, we're going to be looking at perhaps one of the most dangerous prayers. In fact, it it is scary. And if you didn't pray this prayer, I wouldn't blame you. There wouldn't be any judgment. But if you will be willing to take the risk of praying this prayer, then I, I, I think that it would just be amazing to see the things that God might do with a people, with a, with a congregation with a group of people watching a church service online in 2021, what God might do if we are willing to pray this prayer. Now, this prayer is suggested by the main prayer of this whole season three of Dangerous Prayers. And we looked at this last week from Isaiah chapter six, verse eight where Isaiah has this vision and he sees the Lord. And then at the end of the vision, he says this, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I said, here am I, send me. So send me has been kind of the overarching prayer, the overarching theme of this whole series and we've talked about how this touches on our usefulness, that our most important ability is our availability. That God can overcome a lot of different shortcomings, but we need to be available to Him. And then last week, we talked about those excuses, those shortcomings, those reasons that we come up with as to why we don't need to do what God is calling us to do, and we're not the right person, and somebody else should take care of that. And we've talked about how there's no shortcoming that God can't overcome, And if, by the way, you are catching up, you can go to our website, click on the on-demand link, and you can uh, watch those messages, watch those services. You can also, as we mentioned last week, subscribe to the podcast to make sure that those are delivered to you on a weekly basis. But um, catching up... We have been talking about this idea of send me, and often, just like in the story of Elijah, just like in my story of moving from South Florida, where I'd always been, up to New England, there are times where God, in order to accomplish His purposes, and in order for us to be used by Him, we have to be disturbed. We have to be unrooted. We have to be moved on. We have to have a change. And uh, God sometimes just kind of pops us out of our routine and what we expect. He has to disturb us. And so this, this dangerous prayer that we're going to challenge ourselves to pray together over the course of this week, is that very prayer. Disturb me. Disturb me. Now, as you probably know, if you've been following along, this whole series was suggested by this book, this Dangerous Prayers by Craig Groeschel. And this comes from the conclusion, this prayer comes from the conclusion of this book. And I just want to read to you a little part of this uh, that tells the story of where the prayer disturb me came from. Uh, Craig is speaking autobiographically, talking about his prayers and how safe they were and how God kind of popped him out of that routine. This is what he says, I had access to the creator and sustainer of the universe the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing God who can send fire from heaven, shut the mouths of hungry lions, or calm a raging storm. And all I asked him to do was keep me safe and help me have a good day. Then one day I came across a prayer attributed to Sir Francis Drake, an English sea captain who lived from 1540 to 1596. His prayer messed me up. It wasn't easy to pray, and it definitely wasn't safe. This dangerous prayer helped stretch me to move me from comfortably coasting to soaring by faith. And then he gives us the prayer. Here are Francis Drake's words. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well-pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when the abundance of things we possess we have in the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. Where, losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizon of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what God did. He disturbed me. For years, I never wanted to be interrupted, but after praying more dangerous prayers, I discovered that God's gentle promptings would lead regularly for me to interrupt my self-centered plans, and He would direct me towards His eternal will. Instead of being limited by what I wanted, God helped me to care more about others and consider what He wants Instead of craving a life of comfort, I've found joy in serving the needs of others through daily acts of faith. Rather than trying to control my own life, I've learned to trust God moment by moment, even if it breaks me. I'm far from perfect. Some would say I'm more disturbed than ever, but I'm closer to God. My faith is stronger, my life is richer, and my heart is fuller. You can see how running across that prayer made such a difference in Craig's life and how praying that kind of prayer being available to whatever God wants to do to expand your horizons and push you out towards pa- towards uh past what you have considered comfortable and safe that that just opened up a whole different way of living. And that's what we are going to talk about today. We're going to look at a passage where uh, someone in the scriptures was completely disturbed and popped out of their normal and safe routine to be used by God in a key way. And all of this comes back to our availability. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because the prayer of disturb me is really a prayer availability. It's whatever it takes, whatever adjustments need to be made, I'm willing to do that. Lord, disturb me. I'm available to you. And our bottom line will come from this passage that we look at, and it's a simple two-word response. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This is the response that, that the Lord is looking for from us, and that if we will just have this response ready to go, We can pray this prayer. He will lead us and guide us and he will show us what is next. And so we're going to challenge you to pray, disturb me, disturb me. Now I mentioned already that our bottom line, this two-word bottom line, came from the passage that we're going to be looking at today. And in fact, you you can memorize this verse. Uh it's so simple, it's so easy. This isn't the whole thing, but I at least want you to know where it is. It's in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. And uh you can memorize it. Acts 9, 10. Yes, Lord. And then say it again afterwards. Acts 9, 10. And the way I remember it is just like 10 follows 9 the when you say lord the answer is always going to be yes acts 9:10 yes lord acts 9:10 let's look at the whole passage it's acts chapter 9 verses 10 to 15 and you may be familiar that in Acts chapter 9, the most famous part of that chapter is the Apostle Paul's conversion. Here you have the Apostle Paul, at that time, named Saul, traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus to persecute the followers of Jesus. On the way, he encounters the living and risen Jesus and his t- His whole life is transformed and redirected. That's a whole nother story of disturb me. But in the midst of that, there's a second character that gets used by God very critically in this passage. His name is Ananias, and that's the person whose story we're going to look at today. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 9, verses 10 to 15. This is the New Living Translation, if you'd like to follow along. And this is what it says. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. "Yes, Lord," he replied. The Lord said, "Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a name from ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias." coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. As part of his encounter with Jesus, Paul is temporarily blinded. Verse 13, But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word and I pray that you would speak to us through it this, uh, in this hour. That you would show us exactly what we need to do and what our response should be. That you would give us willing hearts and that you would open our eyes. I pray, Lord, that for everyone who's listening and watching, that you will show us exactly what we need to do and how we need to respond and then give us the courage and faith to act accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said Amen. Amen. And uh, so let's look at this together. And again, this uh, bottom line comes from Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Yes, Lord. It's the response of Ananias when uh, he hears and sees the Lord in his prayer time. And uh, I'm going to give you three affirmations that are related. To this response and to this prayer of disturb me uh, from this passage. And uh, the first one is this that for the follower of the Lord, the answer is always, Yes, Lord. The answer is always yes, Lord. We're going to affirm these three things. We recognize that when you say yes to the Lord Jesus, when you say yes to his forgiveness, you're also saying yes to his lordship. And so our default answer for and to him is always going to be yes, Lord. But in order to understand how dramatic and how uh, important and how amazing Ananias Yes was, then I want you to understand the context. So let's go back a little bit to the beginning of this chapter where it describes the context. And it says that Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Now, uh, we're used to talking about the Apostle Paul and talking about his planting churches and being a church leader. But before that, he was Saul and he did not want anything. He he didn't want uh, to see anything good happen to the followers of Jesus. Every time he opened his mouth, it was a threat and he was determined to kill the Lord's followers. So, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus and asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's what the followers of Jesus were called, followers of the way that he found there. What did he want to do? He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So that's the context. That's why the apostle Paul, who was at that time Saul, was going from Jerusalem to Damascus This was his reputation. Everybody had heard what was going on. And that's the context for this prayer time encounter that Ananias has. So let's look at it a little bit in depth. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Here is a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And that's pretty much the only thing that we know about him. He was a follower of Jesus and he lived in Damascus. And uh, so, the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias, calls him by name, and he replies, yes, Lord. Now, I recognize uh, that when he's replying, yes, Lord, that he's... Basically saying, yes, I hear you. What is it you want? Uh, he, somebody calls your name? Yes. What can I do for you? That's kind of the response there. But I want to, I, I want to draw a bigger conclusion from that. Uh, and that is that this yes, Lord, I mean, that is the response. If you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you're praying, your response is always going to be, Yes, Lord. That's the nature of the relationship. And so, when he hears the Lord, his answer is, yes, Lord. That's just the nature of the relationship. When you're a follower of Jesus, he is your Lord. That means he gets to call the shots. That means what he says we do. That's the nature of the relationship. There's another story in the book that I wanted to read to you that kind of illustrates that. And it talks about how, you know, when Jesus said that we are, um, that we're to love God and love others and how that's the greatest commandment, how those are related to one another. If you want to love God, love others. If you want to show your uh, love for others, then that ends up showing your love for God. Uh, This kind of goes along with that whole theme. And it's the story of a pastor and somebody in his congregation, the pastor's habit was after church to hang out at the back and shake people's hands as they were leaving and say hello to everyone, greet as many people as possible. And uh, as he was doing this, this guy comes up, relatively new to the church. And as he's going out, shakes Matt's, this guy's name is Matt. And he says, uh, Matt replies, uh, I just want you to know, pastor, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Now, the pastor was kind of confused by this and didn't know what quite to make of it. So, you know, he just kind of goes on. Second week comes around, pastor's at the the, back of the church, shaking everybody's hand. Matt comes through the line and he says, pastor, I just want you to know the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? You know, the pastor is still kind of thinking, you know, this doesn't make sense. I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to get at. Third week, same thing happens again. This time, however, the pastor says, This isn't a mistake. This isn't this this is something purposeful. He's saying this on purpose, so let me figure out what's going on. And so they set up a coffee date and they go out during the week and they have a conversation and there he's the pastor is able to get to the bottom of us. Uh, He says, uh, the pastor says, I've been wondering about what you said to me. What do you mean the answer is yes? Matt leaned back with a look of deep satisfaction as if he'd been waiting his whole life for the pastor to ask him that question. He started talking slowly, carefully choosing his words. I was not always the man that I am today. I did a lot of bad things in my life, hurt a lot of people. I was addicted to alcohol, pornography, and gambling. These addictions ruined my life. I betrayed my wife, crushed my children, caused so much pain. Matt choked up and the pastor could see tears forming in the man's eyes. Assuming they were tears of pain and regret, the pastor was startled to hear Matt say, but I'm thankful now for those low times, because that's what helped me to be open to Christ. You see, when I hit bottom, a friend invited me to church, and that's when I heard you preach about the grace of Christ. Pastor, that's why I want you to know my answer to you is always yes. Because of how Jesus changed my life through our church, I will always be available to him and to you. If you ask me to mow the churchyard, I will be honored to do it. If you need money to help a single mom, I will give without hesitation. If you need someone to drive a widow to church, I'm your driver. Pastor, I want you to know that my answer is yes. So just let me know the question. You see, as he concludes there, that's the, that's the heart of a person that God can use. And that is uh, the, the heart that we should have towards our Lord. And then that is played out in our service to others. Just ask me whatever you want. The answer is yes. Lord, I belong to you. You saved me. You rescued me. Whatever you want to accomplish, my answer is yes. Yes. Now, what's the question? Imagine if we had uh, everybody that was watching here decided to be like a Matt. You know, if I got calls and emails during the week, you know, what do you need? What do you need? How can we serve? How can we help? If you were just always on the lookout for a need and then how you can fill it even if it's inconvenient, even if it gets you out of your normal routine. And here in this two-word response, Ananias sums up the response of every disciple to their Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Now, so that's the first kind of affirmation related to this. Lord, I can pray disturb me, and I know that whatever you ask, my answer is going to be yes, Lord, because that's the default. That's, That's the always the answer for a follower of Jesus. But here's the thing that makes it a little bit more interesting and a little more dangerous and a little more exciting. Yes, Lord, doesn't always make sense, Lord. And it's good just to recognize that, that as as you affirm that the answer to the Lord is always going to be yes, you can also say, I get it, Lord, that a yes, Lord, doesn't always make sense to me. Lord. And we see this play out in Ananias' back and forth with the Lord. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Okay, got it. There's a guy named Judas, lives on Straight Street. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And that's where Ananias, if he had been praying with his eyes closed, his eyes get open wide. He is praying to me right now. Okay, well, that's kind of interesting. I've shown him in a vis—I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias. Ananias is thinking, "That's my name. Uh, maybe there's another Ananias out there. That's what I'm hoping for." Coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. You see, although he responded with a, yes, Lord. His next words were, but Lord, (laughs) but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, because he knows a couple of things. He's heard a couple of things. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Saul's reputation had preceded him, and that he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest Everyone who calls upon your name. Now, my answer is yes, Lord, but Lord, do do you happen to know who Saul is? I you know, I, I know you're just hearing from him from the first time. He's praying to you, but but I've heard about this guy, he is a dangerous man. I'd be taking my life into my own hands if I go and hunt him down. He came here to hunt me down and arrest me and take me away from my home and my family and my synagogue and everything that I know, my hometown. Uh, You you know this, Lord. Isaiah's prayer was, here am I, send me. This would be kind of dumb. This was the prayer, here am I, arrest me. I'm not sure that I want to sign up. There's that, but Lord. And very often when God gives us A job, it doesn't always make sense to us, but that's okay, because as the Book of Isaiah puts it, this is the the Lord's words through Isaiah: "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your neither are your ways my ways," declares the Lord. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, uh, Elijah leaving the ravine and going out uh, on the next, on the journey. Uh, The Foreman family leaving South Florida to move to New Hampshire. Ananias going and hunting down the man who had come to hunt him down. There are example after example in the scriptures in Christian life where God gives us an assignment that on the surface just doesn't make sense. But it doesn't matter if it makes sense to us because His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Now, you should check this out. He's not going to say anything to you that doesn't align with the scriptures. He's not, He's going to lead by his spirit. He's. It's good to seek out wisdom from other people who are following Jesus, who can give you insight. And when you, his word, his spirit, and his people all align, you can have confidence. So this isn't just go off half-cocked and uh, follow just anything that comes into your mind. But just be aware that sometimes when he disturbs us, when he pulls us out of our normal routine, it isn't going to make sense, but that's okay. As long as we have that yes, Lord, in place, as long as we understand that that is always going to be our response, if we understand that our, a yes, Lord, isn't always going to make sense to us, then we also can have this confidence and make this affirmation, yes, Lord, always brings about your best, Lord. Do you have that confidence? Do you have that assurance that if you follow him wholeheartedly, if you do what he says, then that's going to bring about the best result? Look at how the Lord responds to Ananias. But the Lord said, go. Yes, you've got the right answer. Yes, Lord. I understand your but, Lord. It doesn't make sense the, so you're, but you know, do you know this? Have you heard this? I get that. But the Lord said, Go nevertheless, for Saul is my chosen instrument. This is what's going to happen, Ananias because of your willingness to do what I tell you to do. Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. In other words, I've got this big plan for Saul and you're going to be a part of it. Now, if he hadn't gone, do I think that this would have totally derailed God's plans? No, I I think God would have worked it out in another way. I think the greatest tragedy would have been that Ananias would have missed out on being able to play his part in what God was doing. And that's the invitation that he gives to us when we pray disturb me, when we say yes, Lord, whatever now what's the question? What we're doing is we're we're, we're allowing ourselves the opportunity to be a part of the bigger story that God is writing. The God was going to use Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, to do all of these amazing things and more, to write two-thirds of the New Testament. We're still reading and, uh, and uh, talking about and preaching the inspired words that God spoke through Paul. Uh, and this is 2,000 years later, and Ananias had the opportunity to be a part of something that God was doing and because he was willing to say, yes, Lord, then that made it possible for him to participate in this amazing thing. So I'm going to challenge you to put your heart in that position, to say, yes, Lord, and to start out that journey. This isn't something that's automatic and maybe you've, you've never said, you've never turned your life over to the Lord. You're not a follower of Jesus yet. So, now is the time to say your first yes to the Lord, to turn your life over to Him. And again, that means you're saying yes to His salvation, the forgiveness of sins, that what He did on the cross is going to count for you, and you're saying yes to Him as Lord, that He gets to call the shots, that your default answer is going to be yes, Lord. Now, what's the question you've never done that, I would encourage you to join us on this journey. You're not walking alone. You're joining hundreds of thousands, millions of people throughout the ages who have said yes to Jesus. You can do that very simply by just saying yes in your heart of hearts to the Lord. He knows what's going on. But I would like you to let us know what's going on as well so that we can encourage you, so that we can celebrate you, and so that we can resource you on your new life with Jesus. So, commit your life to Jesus. Text yes to our church number to let us know and then we will be able to celebrate and encourage you along in this journey together. So, here's the prayer. Disturb me. Are you willing to let the Lord pop you out of your routine and your rut to be used for greater purposes and greater things? If so, let us know, click the heart, send a thumbs up, text us a a heart, whatever you can do to let, I'm praying that prayer, count me in. I'm willing to take that step of faith. So we pray, disturb me. We say, yes, Lord. And then we will see what God has in mind for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be used by you, and Lord, if that means disturbing us, getting out of us, out of our rut and routine, we are willing. Disturb me. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a scary prayer, but we can pray it afraid. It's okay, and you will do amazing things with willing hearts who are available to you. So give us the courage to pray this prayer. Give us clarity and insight into how you are answering it and give us the faith and determination to offer our unconditional yes, Lord, to you. And Lord, we pray this so that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven and we'll be able to celebrate throughout eternity what you do because some people in 2021 watching a a church service online, listening to a podcast, said yes to you, and were willing to be disturbed by you. Lord, we pray for the privilege to be included in what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen.